Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 110. No matter which Royal Caribbean cruise you book, you'll be visiting a port of call, and each with its own fun and adventurous things to do. Of course, finding the perfect shore excursion for you means researching the ports ahead of time, and this week, we'll begin a semi-regular look at some of the more popular ports that Royal Caribbean ships will visit and discuss what there is to do there. We'll look at getting off and back on the ship again, local attractions, popular choices, and what you need to know about each stop. Here we go. This week's podcast episode comes to us actually care of one of our listeners, Bill Carney. Bill's been a longtime listener. And Bill writes, Matt, as I plan my excursions for my upcoming cruise on Independence of the Seas, I find myself wondering what other folks think about options in Belize and Cozumel. Cruise Critic is great, but I think it would be great to listen to discussions about excursions on your podcast. So I wonder if a series with you and perhaps one or two other experienced folks in some of the more common Royal Caribbean ports and excursions would be possible. Sort of a monthly panel, just a thought. All the best, and thanks for all the fun you do on the podcast and blog. Great idea, Bill. I love it. And of course, one of the things I think that we definitely want to focus in on this podcast is the idea of looking at shore excursions because it's a big part of any Royal Caribbean cruise. I mean, you're going to go somewhere, right? Every cruise goes somewhere, and oftentimes you're going to many ports. And at least to me, when I go on these cruises, I'm looking forward to the ports we're visiting, and I'm looking forward to also trying some new things out or maybe returning some favorites, whatever the case may be. But the bottom line is I love getting off the ship and exploring the different ports. That's why I take a cruise for it, so I get a taste of different islands, cities, ports, whatever the case may be. And I think it's a great idea, Bill, and we're actually going to focus on the two that you mentioned here. So we'll start with, uh, we've got Cozumel and Belize to look at, and Cozumel is definitely a very popular Royal Caribbean port in the Caribbean. It's in the Western Caribbean in Mexico, and odds are, if you've been on a Royal Caribbean cruise, there's a 50-50 chance you've probably uh, gone to Cozumel if you went on the Western Caribbean route. And Belize also, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but Cozumel is a very interesting port. It's certainly a port that is very much about cruising. It's one of it's a very mature port, meaning that there is a lot built up here. There is a huge uh, capacity for cruise ships available in Cozumel, and that means it's good and bad, right? So the good is, well, you don't have to worry about things like you'll be able to dock at the port. Uh, you'll have lots to shop, lots of excursions. There's lots of things to see and do. The bad, some people would argue, is, well, when you have a port or any stop that is well-versed in the means of cruise ships you know some of the local culture is a little more hidden it becomes more touristy and you know what i love cosmo i think it's a really great stuff i know some people aren't as huge fans of as this island as i am but i what i love about cosmo is the fact that there's a lot of great local food i love mexican food so there's probably that i should put out there but also i think that there's just a lot to see and do here it's a great beach port and I think that for a lot of times, you know, when you're looking at these ports, you're thinking, like, well, is this a beach port? Is this a city port? Is this a, you know, historical port? What's the deal here? Cozumel is definitely a beach port, although there is quite a number of non-beach excursions that you can consider as well. And I think that what you're looking at, Cozumel, there's a lot to choose from. So let's talk about getting on and off the ship in Cozumel. Now, when you dock in Cozumel, Royal Caribbean ships will dock at a, there's a pier a little bit south of the main city. Cozumel basically is a large island, although there's a little, well, it's not that little, but there's a city that you're going to be docking at, and there's little areas all around. The whole island is very small. You can probably, in a car, drive the circumference of the island in like maybe two hours i mean maybe i mean it depends how fast you drive and some other factors but you know it's really about the area they're going to be docking at and royal caribbean docks at a special port that's a little bit south of the city there are other cruise lines that will dock actually at a pier that's very much in the heart of downtown but royal caribbean ships are a little further away uh so with that in mind 
It's very easy to get on off the ship. I love when you're talking about ships that dock at a, at a port because it just makes it all a whole lot easier. As you exit the pier, you're going to walk into a touristy shopping mall area. This is very common in most cruise ports where a lot of times the cruise port itself builds up this little shopping area. And these are mostly, you know, things, places that sell a lot of, you know, little souvenirs. There's bars. There's a whole lot of base. They're trying to sell you something was what it is. It's essentially just a large mall. And my advice to you is just walk through here. You'd only stop on your way back. You'll have time then. But. You know, just walk through. It's actually kind of confusing. It's almost a maze, I'd describe it, uh, to get through. But you follow the signs, you'll get out there. And that'll bring you out to the street. Now, as I mentioned before, it's south of the city. Could you walk to the city? Yes. Would I advise you to walk to the city? No. It's a it's a far walk. Uh, there's lots of taxis. And taxis in Cozumel are very inexpensive. Probably a cab ride from the where you dock the pier area to downtown will cost you about $8 American. It's really nothing. And in Cosmel, speaking of money, you can use your American dollars. No one's going to worry about it. Don't worry about exchanging money. They take dollars. If you're coming from overseas, that may be a different issue. I've actually never tried using, like, say, the euro, but U.S. dollars are more than welcome here in Mexico, so don't worry about that. So you have a couple of different options. Let's talk about beaches. It's probably the most common thing I think people do in Cosmel. There's a lot of great beaches to choose from, and it depends on what you're looking for to do. If you want a beach that has a lot of stuff on it, a lot of activities, a lot of uh, water toys, or you're just looking for a little piece of paradise, or maybe something in between. A great beach, something that's uh, been known for many, many years, is a beach called Paradise Beach. It's, again, fairly close to the port area. And all these beaches we're going to be talking about, by the way, are pretty much on the western side of the island. Most of what you're doing in Cozumel is going to be on the western side of the island. There's a couple of stuff to do, maybe in the south and even fewer on the east side of the island, but the west side is basically the calm side. You have to imagine that Cozumel basically is is a little small island just off the Mexican mainland. You can actually see it. And between Mexico's mainland and Cozumel, there's a small water inlet essentially, the ocean, but it's it's a much more controlled area. There's not a whole I mean there are waves, but it's it's not like on the other side, on the east side of the island. I mean you've got the you know, the Gulf of Mexico over there, and it's a little more uh, rough in terms of sea conditions. So most of what you're going to find is going to be on the west side of the island there of, uh, of of Cozumel. So Paradise Beach is a, is basically a beach that's been run by, I believe, it used to be back in the day, it was run by a bunch of American expats. I'm not sure if that's still the case, but it's basically a great beach if you're looking for somewhere to go and you want to have a lot of great amenities. You obviously want to have beach chairs and, and umbrellas. You want to have service in terms of bar service and, and food. There's a lot of water toys in the ocean. So there's trampolines. There's little uh, pyramids you can climb on, you know, all those inflatable things. So it's great for the kids. And you basically just, uh, you basically can go there and you, it's all a la carte. So you choose what you kind of are interested in. If you're interested in, you know, beach chairs, you're interested in, uh, you know, the, the water toys, whatever the case may be. But it's your, Pretty basic Caribbean beach, and if you're looking for one that you know you can just take a cab ride over, it's you know easy, and then you can just park it there for the day. That's certainly good to do, and that's what I would recommend. There's another great beach called Playa Palancar. Playa Palancar is basically a paradise beach without all the stuff involved. It's a more no frills beach, and it's a quieter beach. So those that are looking for maybe you know that maybe they don't have kids or they just want a quieter experience, it's you know. It's it's not a bad idea to to do. It's probably about the same distance, maybe a little further than Paradise Beach. Playa Palancar is not a bad idea. I've been to actually both Paradise Beach and Playa Palancar and enjoyed both of them. And you know they also they do have bar service and a restaurant, but you know you're basically just sitting on the beach and, and kind of entertaining yourself to some degree. So 
kind of keep that in mind. Now, in terms of uh, – there's also some other ideas in terms of beaches that you can do in Cozumel. There are two big ones that I would probably need to mention because they're just very popular. I haven't done either of them, but I can at least speak to them in terms of my experience knowing about them. One is Ch- Chanka Nab. I always cannot pronounce it. I know it in my head. It's spelled uh, C-H-A-N-K-N-A-B-A-A-B. Anyway, Chanka Nab. If you start typing in Google, I'm sure you'll find it. Beach Adventure Park. It's basically – I don't know if I call it an all-inclusive, but it's basically it's more you know it's a beach that offers a lot more than just sand and water, and this is a very popular option I think for a lot of families as well. And you know there's uh, some beaches, some restaurants, there's some shade, snorkeling. There's uh, you can kids can walk through a jungle area. There's a pool, which is kind of interesting. A lot of people, some people prefer the pool to the ocean or going between the two. You know, there's tequila, there's a zip line. It's a little more of a more of an experience than just, again, sand and water. Another one that's very popular, especially with people that I know that read RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, is Nachikokum, which is a all-inclusive resort. And basically, it's, a, it's an all-inclusive resort where you pay a certain amount of money. And right now, as of the recording of this podcast, for, for adults 16 years and over, it's $55 per person. And it gets you all the beach amenities, all you can drink, including beer, liquor, wine, soda, juice, bottled water. Uh, lunch, lounge chairs. There's a there's an outdoor jacuzzi, outdoor swimming pool, a swim up bar, a restaurant, <laughs> showers, hammocks. This is an all inclusive resort. So if you want that all inclusive resort experience, certainly uh, Nachikokum is the way to go. And also the other thing is that's unique about this resort. I think it's fairly unique. Is that it's only limited to 100 guests per day. So they don't just let everybody on here. It's something that you know is, is fairly limited. So something to keep in mind when you're looking at that. The other thing that it's not really a beach thing, but I know a lot of people do go here, is, of course, you have Senor Frogs, which is just off of the pier area. It's Senor Frogs is a very much a, a, what's the word, a touristy chain of drinking establishments. It's basically a glorified bar. It's almost like a Margaritaville, uh, and basically you go there and you drink a lot. Certainly not place someplace I'd bring my children to, but if you're looking to drink a lot, very close to the ship. In fact, you can see the building from the ship. And if you, this is something, if you don't, if you don't go to Senor Frogs, do yourself a favor, go up to the pool deck and right before the ship is about to leave, maybe about 30 minutes before the ship is to leave, find a nice spot in the shade and just sit out there and watch over the side railing of the ship. All the people running out of Senor Frogs as it becomes, you know, the time starts ticking down and there's only a few minutes left until the ship leaves because their people will be there until they can get their last possible drinks God bless them. They enjoy their experience. So if you're looking for you know a very much a, a drinking kind of experience, that's something to do. Now, if you're looking for non-beach stuff to do, I think probably, in fact, if you're looking for a little bit of culture, the best thing to do in Cozumel is going to be the Mayan ruins at Tulum. And they're arguably among the best Mayan ruins to see in the region. They're basically, as I mentioned before, you're on Cozumel, which is an island. They're over on the other side on the Mexican mainland. And Playa del Carmen is the area of the Mexican mainland I'm talking about. So what you have to do is your shore excursion will take you from the uh, from from Cozumel, take you on a boat. There's, I think there's actually a high speed ferry brings you over to the mainland, and then you take a probably a bus or a van over to the ruins. Now all the excursions I mentioned up until now are shore excursions you would probably book on your own. The ruins at Tulum you could book on your own, although you can book these through Royal Caribbean as well. Up to you what you're more interested in doing. So if you're interested in seeing Mayan ruins, I think Tulum's ruins are probably among the best. The thing I would say about the ruins are keep in mind what time of year you're going. The reason why I say that is certain times of the year, 
the it can get very hot. You're literally going into the jungle. So if you're going between the months of say November and let's say April, that's not bad. I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about it. But if you're going during the summer months or in the fall, so basically any other month of the year that doesn't include November through April, it can be very hot. And if you're susceptible to the condition, you know, the elements and walking around in a hot, sweaty environment is not that interesting to you. Because basically what you're doing is you're walking around and just walking around ruins are all outside and there's no air conditioning other than maybe the van. So just keep that in mind. This is kind of what you're getting yourself into. But certainly in those winter months, hey, it might not be a bad thing to do. And I, I think that it's something that a lot of people definitely enjoy. Again, if you're looking for culture, it's probably the most cultural thing you're going to find there. Now, one of the things I love doing, I'll be honest with you, when I go to Cozumel, one of the, I mean, I might do a little bit of beach stuff, but my focus over the last couple of years is really going into the city. I love going into the main part of Cozumel, downtown Cozumel, and just exploring. First of all, I must have mentioned I love the food. There's so many great restaurants. Let me explain how Cozumel is kind of laid out. When you arrive in Cozumel, when you go to downtown, your taxi driver brings you there. You're going to be dropped off on a main street that is essentially uh, runs alongside the ocean, okay? And this is the main drag of Cozumel. This is where you're going to find a lot of shops, all the typical, you know, Diamonds International and that that store that sells the shirts that change color in the sun and a lot of the touristy stores. But I'd encourage you to walk a few blocks in for a little bit more. The shopping really goes quite a bit into the area. And it's very safe, honestly. I've been there many years. Over the course of many years, I've never had a problem. And I really enjoy it. So walk, you know, a couple blocks in, maybe two, three blocks in, in fact. Explore the different restaurants, some of the other shops. You might arguably find a better deal in those shops because, you know, they are competing against all those shops that, you know, a lot of people don't, a lot more people see on the main drag. So, you know, they may be more motivated. But walk around. Again, the restaurants are really nice. I love just eating around here, I got to tell you. Um, One of my favorite restaurants, I'll put a list put a link in the show notes to it. It's called uh, Comida Caseras Tonita. It's a little family-owned restaurant. The people there do not speak one word of English, but I love it. I'll tell you, it can work. They have a menu that's in English and Spanish, I, interestingly enough. <laughs> and you go there, you just point to what you want and, you know, say, you know, por favor, Coca-Cola, they understand that. <laughs> so it's, you know, it, it all works out and I've really loved it. But, you know, just exploring the different food options. There's a lot of great food, especially if you're a fan of, of Mexican food, that can be something cool to do there. And, Cozumel's are very easy. I mean, the island does not have a lot of traffic. It's very easy to get back and forth. There's lots of taxis. So I would just kind of look at, are you looking for a beach or not a beach? And then are you looking for maybe the city or culture? I think what you're going to find, though, in Cozumel is you're going to be mixing it up, right? You're going to maybe going into the city for a little bit. Maybe you're going to go you know, to a restaurant, and then you'll end up at a beach. Or you're going to do Tulum. I bet you most of the Tulum excursions also include a beach stop on the way back. There's just there's not nothing here. There's not one thing here to take up your whole day. So you can cool down somewhere along the way there, and you know on your way back again, if you want to stop in in the in the in that mall right by your your cruise port, you can do that as well if that's of interest to you. So very good stuff. All right, let's talk about Belize. Belize is an interesting cruise port. Certainly not as popular in terms of how many ships will visit Belize. It's basically a one that I've only been to uh, one time on Navigator of the Seas, and it's basically you're going to visit Belize if you're doing one of those itineraries that brings you down the coast of Central America. So basically, you'll probably go to uh, Cozumel, Belize, and, and Roatan, Honduras. But it is a very beautiful place to stop. The thing about Belize, and probably the big downside of Belize, is it requires a tender. Not just any tender, it requires a very long tender. I would say the ride one way from your ship to Belize City is going to run you about 20 minutes. And it, there's actually, if you read enough reviews about Belize, shore excursions and, and kind of 
going there. You're going to find probably a lot of people talking about the lines to get off the ship in terms of, you know, they're just getting a backup. Because unlike, say, Grand Cayman or Coco Cay or other places where there are tenders, but the tender ride is very short, in Belize, you're going to find a much longer ride. And there's only so many tenders. I mean, it's just the fact of life. And, you know, so it's going to take them, you know, <laughs> math comes into play here, and they you know, only take them a certain amount of time to get there and a certain amount of time to come back. Uh, so you can run into lines. My advice to you in terms of Belize and tendering is you need to be very proactive about getting there early or wait until later. So whatever time the ship is set to start tendering, I would get in line, oh, at least 30 minutes ahead of time. I think when we did it, we got it there around like 45 to 60 just to be safe. And we were literally, I think, the first or second people in line. And Royal Caribbean tells you not to wait in line, but look, it's a fact of life. Everyone's going to do it. You just wait in the uh, stairwells, essentially, and then you kind of make your way over there. But... Uh, it's it's an interesting port, and I think that the key is you either get there really in the beginning, you know, you get there 45, 60 minutes ahead of time, or you just wait like an hour and a half and let everybody else get off the ship, and then you go. And granted, that leaves you less time in the port, but maybe you have, you know, some some smaller plans that can work as well. So once you're actually there, and it's a nice little ride once you get over there, I mean, you know, into Belize City, just like Cozumel, you get a nice little shopping area outside the uh, docking area. And basically, the, it's it's a it's a, I don't know if it's a strip mall, but it's a mall of stores and bars that you can go to. Um, there's a number of bars that offer free Wi-Fi or Wi-Fi if you purchase a drink. Which hey, you know, when in Rome, why not, right? And you'll find the same thing on almost all islands, Cosmo included. You know, lots of bars selling Wi-Fi because they know people want to use it. But there's also lots of little shops here and there. But there's not a whole lot outside the area. Whereas in Cozumel, you can kind of leave the port area and you're going to run into stuff almost immediately. And Belize requires a little more planning, and there's certainly some things you want to keep in mind. Perhaps the most popular thing to do in Belize City is cave tubing. It's an excursion where, just like the name implies, you're driven out to a beautiful uh, underground river. You go in these caves, you sit in these inner tubes, and as a large inner tube group, you go down this uh, river. And it's a pretty cool thing, no question about it. A lot of people really love it, and it's a very popular uh, excursion in Belize. It probably the most popular excursion in Belize, I would say. It's probably what they're really known for. Uh, the other things you're going to want to mention, oh, uh, snorkeling. Snorkeling is big here. And uh, you know what? I'm remiss for not mentioning snorkeling in Cozumel because as probably some people are, are aware, Cozumel became famous because Jacques Cousteau well, had a documentary about this way back in the day about Cozumel and its beautiful diving. So if you're interested in diving, not so much snorkeling, diving, it's Cozumel is among the best in the world to do. So I should probably mention that. As uh, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, certainly the best place to do it. But back in Belize, snorkeling is, is a big one. There's also canopy zip lines, which are not bad as well. And you also have your, your fair share of Mayan ruins. And I think that's basically the biggies that are there in terms of what's uh, kind of the most popular there. The, the Mayan ruins in Belize, I believe, are called Altun Ha, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. There's also some other Mayan ruins as well. They're very nice. And, you know, if you've. I don't know if necessarily if they're all that different than the ones in Tulum, but. You know, something to see, and if you're in, if this is your only place, maybe in Cozumel you're doing something different. You're going to go <laughs> be like me and go eat, and then you want to do here in Belize and culture that can work for you as well. So certainly you want to do your research here and and kind of take a look at what's everything's doing. Keep in mind also the amount of time it's going to take you to get back to the ship with those uh, with with those tenders. The other thing that one of the things that I did when I was in in Belize, I was kind of looking at a lot of different ideas. I wanted to do something with a beach here, and because I was traveling with children, young children at the time. Actually, just one child, my daughter, but she was young. So 
cave tubing wasn't really in the cards for us. But uh, one of the things that we did was we certainly uh, wanted a beach. And one of the things we did, we ended up going to this private island called Goff's Key. And Goff's Key is a small island off the shore of Belize City. It's, it requires a tender to get to, just like everything else. And uh, it's very interesting. So what we did was we took the – basically, you go over to Belize City. You register, and then you pick up the uh, um, speedboat, essentially, which is going to bring you to uh, Golf's Key and, and explore there a little bit more. And it's a small island, very small. I mean, it's probably – I mean, to walk from one side of the island to the other is probably a – four-minute walk. I mean, you can see both sides. You can see the entire scope down. It's basically, you know, a bunch of sand that's sticking out of the ocean with some trees. There's not a lot of here to do in terms of other than than sunning yourself or snorkeling. That's really the big stuff. So if you're looking to swim, sun yourself, or snorkel, that's perfect for you. Otherwise, if you're looking for beach toys, if you're looking for, there are no beach chairs, there are no beach umbrellas. So again, it's very much a no-frills thing, but you get away from everybody. Very calm, very serene, very quiet. There is a bathroom. Surprisingly, there is a restroom on the island. I used it. I live to tell a tale. It's not that bad. There is a... The people that run the island run a little barbecue. And I believe, as memory serves me, food is included with it. But you can also purchase some other food as well. There are drinks available for you to purchase. And, and all from the same people there. It's an interesting thing. I think it's you just have to understand what you're getting yourself into. It's very much a no-frills beach. And, of course, the other thing is... You can't leave until everyone leaves. <laughs> so it's very much, you know, you're there for the duration. It's not like, say, you know, we were mentioning earlier in Cosmel Paradise Beach, right? You can go there for 10 minutes if you wanted to. You can go there for five hours if you wanted to. It's up to you when you want to leave here. You have to wait for the excursion to be over. But, you know, not not a bad thing to consider and certainly something that uh, I enjoyed. What a lot of people end up doing in Belize we hear about because of the tenders, a lot of people stay on the ship, and they stay on the ship because, well, they just enjoy having the ship to themselves and not dealing with the whole tender thing. I, if it were me, I'd get off the ship. Even if I was going back today, even having been there already, I think it's worth seeing. I just think it's important to kind of understand you know, what you're getting yourself into and, pro- and planning properly. That's another big, uh, important thing there. So with all that in mind, hopefully this will help you here. And again, we're going to be doing some more episodes about some other popular cruise ports, you know, Nassau, Grand Cayman, uh did Cozumel, uh, you know, and, and some of the other St. Thomas. There's a lot really in the Caribbean, and then also other popular ports. Uh, Port Canaveral is, is a popular cruise port for Royal Caribbean, and certainly over in Europe, boy, there's a lot to choose from. So hopefully, we're gonna have a lot of good stuff here. And of course, I'm always looking for your shore excursion ideas. So if you've got an idea about Cozumel or Belize or any shore excursion, really, in any of the ports, I'd love to hear about it. Please do me a favor and send me an email at matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. All right, it's time to answer your listener emails. I love this part of the show. And also, big thank you to everybody checking out the show, both if you've been listening for a while now or you're brand new to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Love it, love having you guys here. It makes it so much more fun to talk about. And uh, I've got a little personal story to share. Maybe some of you already know this based on if you're on social media in the over Labor Day weekend. But I actually booked my next Royal Caribbean cruise before my next Royal Caribbean cruise. <laughs> so... Long story, but I booked actually a four-night cruise on Brilliance of the Seas over Thanksgiving weekend, so that'll be November 26, 2015, so in just, what, about 70-something days from now. I cannot wait for it. It was one of those situations where I just couldn't, I was so excited for our Allure of the Seas group cruise, which is coming up in February, and there's still time to book that, don't forget. So more details about our group cruise on Allure of the Seas at uh, royalcaribbeanblog.com, but I was so excited 
that I booked another cruise. I, I convinced my wife to let me to let us do it. It's me, me and my wife. No kids on this cruise. We're going to go on Brilliance of the Seas to Cozumel, as we just mentioned. So maybe we'll have some new stuff to report on there. But expect more information about that cruise as we get closer to it. But I just wanted to share my excitement with all of you because, you know, it was so much fun. In fact, I actually did uh, – one of the things I do – I broadcast on Periscope, which is a social media live broadcasting tool. You can actually look at it anytime you want. Just go to download it on your smartphone or and uh, or tablet, and you can uh, – app is called Periscope, as in like something a submarine has. And add us on on Periscope. We are the RCL blog on there, just like our Twitter handle. And once you're in the app, if I'm broadcasting, you can watch me. And over the weekend, I broadcasted purchasing the cruise. To me, it was like unboxing, like you do at Christmas. You see a lot of YouTube videos about people unboxing, opening up things, kind of show it off. And to me, I wanted to share in the fun. So oh, I cannot wait. I'm. It's it's so gratifying to have a, another cruise before another cruise like that now uh, this cruise in november just you know about a m- two months away and uh the cruise in february so things are looking good here for matt <laughs> all right let's jump to your emails and our first email this week is from Penn tolman who writes earlier this year royal caribbean announced that they are ending the practice of offering last minute deals what does this really mean for us and have they even implemented this yet? Just today, I received a going, going, gone sale notification from them and I wonder if, like Dynamic Dining, this idea has gotten scrapped. I hope it does because one of these days, I surely hope to take advantage of those last minute deals. Also, it doesn't seem logical to me that maintaining the integrity of their pricing model is more important than filling an empty cabin. Great job in your awesome podcast and look forward to hearing from you. Penn, great email and a lot of people have been talking about this. So here's the backstory. This is Royal Caribbean's been working towards getting rid of last minute cruise deals. What does that mean? Well, there's been a practice in the cruise industry as a whole that cruises that sail anywhere from, let's say, three to 60 to 90 days out, 60 for sure, maybe 90, are considered last minute cruises. Most people can't book them, right? Most people, you know, airfare is too expensive. People aren't planning cruises that close in. And so the cruise industry would use these, you know, they would look at it and say, oh man, we've got. 10 cabins available here. Let's mark them down super cheap so we'll fill up the ship because cruise ships will want to sell at 100% capacity. That's the way that they make money. It's not from selling actually the cabins. It's from people being on board the ship and buying stuff and spending money. So fast forward to today, Royal Caribbean has been working towards getting rid of it. In fact, Royal Caribbean CEO Richard Fain has said many times that they are getting rid of it because of they want to maintain their pricing model. What they wanted people to do is they want people to book in advance, just like a airline ticket, right? If you go to an airline ticket and you say, you know what, I want to fly to Paris tomorrow. Guess what? You're going to pay like a gazillion dollars for it, right? That's an estimate, gazillion. But you know what I mean? You're going to pay a lot of money for it because you're booking at the last minute. They And what happened was I think a lot of people, not a lot of people, but there was a fair amount of people that were certainly uh, planning on those last minute deals. And Royal Caribbean wants people to book more in advance. By booking more in advance, they, Royal Caribbean can plan better themselves. There's a lot of good reasons for Royal Caribbean for people, you know, for Royal Caribbean for people to book well in advance. So they're trying to get rid of the model. And the reason why they can get rid of last minute deals is because the product cruising is never been po- more popular. I mean, they're just these ships are filling up on their own. They don't have to do it. And so what they're trying to do is they're saying, well, you know, if we're at a point here where we're not getting so many, you know, uh, empty cabins out there, let's just abandon this concept of last minute deals and force people literally to book more in advance. Now, they haven't implemented it yet. This is a gradual process. Royal Caribbean has said they don't actually have given us any kind of data or indication when it's going to happen. There hasn't been a gauntlet of a date that's going to come down and that's it. It's just been they're going to try to start you know, weaning guests off of it 
and getting to a point, hopefully, where they don't have offer them anymore. So to your point or to your question earlier, Penn, about, you know, it doesn't seem logical to you about, you know, going for the integrity of a pricing model if they're not filling empty cabins. The thing is, is they are filling those empty cabins well in advance and ships are just sailing a whole lot more full these days. So that's kind of their rationale. Whether you agree with it or not, that's a different story. But I think this is just a product of Royal Caribbean doing really well. I mean, their stock price is doing gangbusters. I mean, if you're a Royal Caribbean shareholder, you must be very happy with how the stock is performing. And certainly the product is making more money than you know they've ever made before, especially onboard spending. So all signs are pointing for Royal Caribbean to be able to work this way. Now, if things were to change, if there were uh, a change of fortune, either in the travel industry or for Royal Caribbean itself, and you know ships were not obviously filling up, then they would have to go back on their word here and, and go back to these last minute deals to fill them up because they have to. And they, they're not sending a ship out half full. I mean, there's, it's, be a, it's a very bad financial decision for them. So uh, that may change, but at least right now, the way it's looking, that's definitely the way the pendulum is swinging. So I hope that explains things there, Penn. And I appreciate the email. Good idea and good topic. Good thing to discuss, certainly, and bring to the forefront here. Next, we have an email from Jeremy Lazara of San Francisco, California. Hi, Matt. This is probably a simple question to answer. Just want to make sure of a couple things. On the cruise compass, it'll state expected ship clearance at a time that is about 30 minutes after the ship's arrival in port. Does this mean the ship will allow passengers to start departing from the ship 30 minutes after they've docked? On average, how long does it take to get off a ship when in port? The reason I'm asking is because I booked an independent tour on St. Martin, and the tour director said we will meet at the port at 10.30 a.m. promptly and leave shortly thereafter, and wouldn't want to miss the tour due to long lines getting off the ship. So this is a really good question, Jeremy, actually. You're pretty much correct here. The expected ship clearance means you're going to dock at, let's say, 8 o'clock in the morning, but what happens is the local customs come on board to clear the ship. Different ports have different policies because they're in, you're in different countries and they have different whatever that are going on. It, it all depends on where you're going. I would probably say that if you're going, certain islands in the Caribbean are a little less stringent than you know certainly a stop in uh, the United States. But they all have different rules and different things. Who knows what the case may be, right? But they've got to do a quick inspection of the ship, and that can often take usually about 30 minutes, like you said. I think in reality, it usually is a little bit shorter than that, probably closer to 15 minutes. It just all depends. There's no way to plan it. But Royal Caribbean tries to say, well, basically, we're going to dock at 8 a.m., but don't expect to get off the ship until 8.30. But the thing is, to your question about the your your uh, shore excursion, let me tell you something. If they see that no one's going off the ship because the ship hasn't been cleared yet, they're not leaving without you, okay? <laughs> they're not getting paid that way. They're going to wait for you, at least for a little bit. Now... In terms of lines, well, that's a different issue in terms of uh, you know how long it's taking to get off the ship, and that depends on a couple factors: if you're docking or if you're tendering. If you're tendering, well, that can really take a long time because of just look, you have to wait for boats to be able to bring you and the boats fill up. It's a slow process. If you're docking, that'll take a whole lot quicker because then it's just as fast as people can leave the ship. All you're doing when you're leaving is you're just going through a security thing where you swipe your CPAS card and they make a record that okay, you know, in this case, Jeremy has left the ship. So they know that at the end of the day, who hasn't been, who isn't back on board. The thing, though, is it depends. Depending on what time you dock, will depend on how long the lines are. If you dock really early in the morning, like 6 a.m., there will be no line, and that's actually ideal because then there's no back. People just as soon as they get down to the gangway, they're able to leave. But if you do a late docking, if you show up at like 11 or 12, well, everyone is awake. No one's sleeping in for this one. And you can have some really long lines going in there. So kind of plan ahead. So if you're planning on meeting at the pier at 10.30 in your example, and let's say the ship doesn't dock until 10 a.m., most people are awake at 10 a.m., right? So my advice to you is be in a position to be able to get off the ship you know, in advance of that 10.30 time, maybe around 10, 10.15, 10, 
be close to the gangway, either on deck two or maybe on the real promenade somewhere in the center. I mean, somewhere you can get easily down to where you need to be so you can be among the first to get off the ship. I wouldn't worry about too much. I mean, usually most tours are pretty good about giving people some lead time. I know they always say it promptly. In my experience, there's always somebody who's late. Always. It's <laughs> just the law of averages. But as long as you're not, you know, prohibitively late, like an hour, they'll probably work with you there. So hopefully that explains their good question, though, Jeremy. And thank you for bringing it to us. Next, we have an email from Michael Vital who writes, Matt, I am not really a big tipper usually, but you have me beat. One to two dollars per bag for porters. Jeez, I gave the guy 20 bucks for three bags. <laughs> you know what? The one to two dollar thing, I always say that's the rule. I don't you know. I probably follow it a little bit. I think I just I think I do what maybe you do, Michael, which is you kind of gauge the situation, right? One of the things I always do is I gauge how motivated, let's say, the porter is in terms of, you know, am I getting out of the car to take my own luggage out of the car or do I just open up the trunk and the guy is in there and just taking everything, giving me a smile, you know, rubbing my daughter's head, you know, just being a great guy. Or is he just literally I'm doing all the work and I'm giving him the bags If I'm doing all the work, giving him the bags. I'll probably just, you know, if let's say there are five bags. He'll get somewhere between 5 and $10. But if the guy is, you know, and most of them are really good, they'll bring lots of stuff to you and, you know, they'll, they'll make my life a whole lot easier. You're right. I am going to give them more money. I think that it just kind of depends on the situation. But I use the $1 to $2 rule as just a baseline rule. A great example of the opposite of this was when we were on Freedom of the Seas coming back. Now, this is Terminal 1. In Terminal 1, the guy was like, you know, he's, he's right out there. As soon as I got into the baggage claim area, do you need a porter? Yes. I pointed at him. I'm like, yo. Help me out. He he jumped, swung from a vine. He did anything he could to get my bags, loaded them up on there, and then he probably passed about 60 people. I don't know. He just was, he was passing other porters. He was just yelling at them, get out of the way, get out of the way. Not only that, he so he gets us through the line very quickly. Then he actually brings all of our luggage. He didn't just drop it off at the curb and be like, all right, here you go, pal. He, you know, he went with us into the elevator up to the deck, the parking deck that our car was at, brought it right to the car. I thought he was going to drop it right there at the elevator. Nope. Right to the car, loaded it into the car. The man earned however much money. I gave him way more than $1-$2 back. So it depends on the guy, and I think that's really the thing to do. But I think even at worst, $1-$2 to $2 per bag I think is a baseline you got to at least work with because it's just kind of a you know, basic courtesy, essentially, for someone who's taking your bags for you. So hopefully that explains that, Michael. I'm not... a the cheapskate I've made myself out to be. <laughs> Next, we have an email from Dan Bixler of Riverview, Florida. My, Matt, my sympathy to you for not having honey sung chicken on embarkation day on your recent cruise. Did they have it available for room service? Hoping it's available on Enchantment of the Seas when we sail on August 17th for our 10th anniversary. Alas, one of the great embarkation day traditions is probably gone. Honey sung chicken is, hasn't been served on a couple different roller coasters I've been on. It wasn't on Quantum, it wasn't on Freedom of the Seas. On Embarkation Day, it is still available through room service. The reason why Honey Stone Chicken has such an interesting uh, connotation, reputation, in fact, for Royal Caribbean Cruisers is because it was something that only showed up on Embarkation Day. It's just breaded chicken cutlet that tastes kind of nice. And they would serve it on Embarkation Day in the Windjamer. And that was wonderful. I enjoyed it. But the thing about it was, I don't know why they've just cut back on it. it was, it's still available through room service, but having an Embarkation just made it taste a little bit sweeter. You know what? It doesn't it doesn't really ruin my experience because as long as I'm in the Windjamer on embarkation day, I'll tell you that 30 minutes is just pure bliss. I love it. That is my moment when I say to myself, I am here. I am my cruise has begun. And it's just a smile on my face no matter what my children are doing. <laughs> so we may not have the honeystone chicken anymore, Dan, but maybe we'll have to find a new tradition. So if you guys have any good embarkation day traditions that we can start here on Royal Caribbean Blog, I would love to hear about it. So please email me. 
matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. I think we got time for one more email. Why not? One more. And that is from Quentin, who writes, Hey, Matt, hope you enjoyed your cruise. I just wanted a piece of advice. My wife said one time, when you die, you can't take a money with you. So live for today. Enjoy life while you're on this earth. So I guess that means more cruises. <laughs> See? Quentin gets it. That's why I booked this uh, Brilliant to the Seas cruise, because I said, you know what? Why not? Let's take advantage of it. I, I need it. It was just, it seemed like a great idea. And you know what? It still is a great idea. And Quentin is right. Look, if you got the means and you can do it, when in doubt, book a cruise. I love that. So good advice there, Quentin. Great way to round out this email. And thank you to everybody who's been listening to this podcast, sending in your emails. I love it. I love that we get to talk Royal Caribbean each and every week together. And I want to hear from you. So whether you've emailed me before or you're a first timer, you're brand new to the show, or you've been lurking for years and want to, I can actually say that now, years, you've been lurking for years and want to share something, I would love to hear about it. My email is uh, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. I promise I'll be nice and read your email, and I love it. I love that we get to talk about this each and every week, so thank you for joining me. Thank you for for listening to the podcast, reading royalcaribbeanblog.com, sending me interesting emails and tweets and Facebook messages. I love it all. You guys are awesome. Best, I'm going to say this right now, Royal Caribbean Blog has the best community I've ever been a part of. I mean, just really genuinely nice people who love to talk about cruising and it's wonderful i love every moment of it so thank you all so much so until next time i'm matt hotchberg and we'll talk again soon